And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Liberalism turns out to be, actually, it really is a mental disorder. Now, this podcast is unlike anything you typically hear and more of a free association where I cover politics to health and back again. Moving closer to total tyranny. In this podcast, I reflect on the importance of staying true to oneself and the desire to live a long life, sharing personal experiences and unconventional methods for longevity. In other words, health tips. I talk about some near-death experiences and the virtues of balance and moderation. I advocate for individual freedom and responsibility in contrast to groupthink spouted by the far left. I urge you, my listeners, to focus on changing your mindset rather than relying on physical means for protection. What does that mean? You'll find out. In this podcast, you'll also hear the uh, broadcast of Glenn Beck quoting my well-known saying, liberalism is a mental disorder. Beck quipped that I was right about this statement. The more liberals gain control, the more they reveal how correct I've been all these years. In this episode, you'll hear the following, as I told you, including these sound bites. If you can believe this, well, you can believe anything that Upchuck Schumer says, actually telling the American people that if we don't send billions more to Zelensky in Ukraine, American troops will be fighting Russia in Europe. That's such And let me tell you why. If the Russians have not yet defeated the single nation of Ukraine, how are they going to take on NATO and all of Europe? First of all, they didn't intend to. This was a complete reaction to Zelensky lying to the uh, Ukrainian people and saying, now I want to join NATO and put nuclear missiles back on the border with Russia. That's why Russia went into Ukraine. It's a complete lie. It's a scam in order to benefit the weapons manufacturers, in my humble opinion. You'll then hear Mitch McConnell, turtle, responding to Ted Cruz's calls for Mitch to go. Biden having the audacity to blame Trump and MAGA Republicans for the chaos at the border. You know, you talk about double talk and lies. For a senile guy, he's doing pretty good at lying. And then Biden, forgetting the name of Hamas, didn't even remember Hamas, couldn't remember it, relied on a reporter to get him back on track. This is sickening. And that's why I say to you, liberalism really is a mental disorder. This is a podcast to share with 10 others. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. 
mean, it's, it's like, I mean, listen to these people. I know. Listen to them. They are. It's a mental illness. It really is. And mm-hmm. I, I remember who was it? Was it Michael Savage that yes. said, yeah, mental illness. And yep. I, I, I laughed at that and thought it was funny. Um, but <laughs> he was he, serious and he was serious and he's been. right. Yes, he's right. Uh, it is absolutely a mental illness. At this point, it's a religion and a mental illness. Can anyone disagree with this? Liberalism is a mental disorder after seeing the streets of America, the out of control crime, the fentanyl addiction, the endless wars, no talk of peace, the pornography that reigns supreme in the land. Can anyone disagree with this? There are many titles I could give. This would be one of them. Another would be trickle down tyranny. Another one would be how the hippies destroyed America. I can go on and on, but I think I'll just sit down and start discussing the issues of the day with my good friend Nipper here. My dog is now reduced to a character from the RCA Victor days. Teddy's in heaven. He crossed the rainbow rainbow bridge a long time ago. Do I talk to this dog? No. But this administration under Joe Biden, matter of fact, the entire political establishment, sees us as no more than a cloth dog. We are fundamentally living in a, in a uh, dictatorship. You say, well, it's been this way a long time. Maybe, maybe not. There have been times that it's been like this and times that it's not been like this. We are right now living in a putative dictatorship where the people are laughed at, mocked, reviled, spit upon, and just used as cannon fodder to uh, provide money for the gangsters in both parties. So we can put Nipper to the side or leave him here. You want me to leave him here? Or do you want me to put him on his side? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation. I have so many things that I care to talk about with you today. I think I'm going to begin with um, my tweets. What do you think about that, Nipper? He's about as responsive as this government is to me right now. Staring into dead eyes. It's like a cloth dog. A government that mocks us at every turn. Mulks us at every turn. Treats us like animals at every turn. Along with the media, do I have to mention Mark Zuckerberg? That sham trial, that show trial, that fake reverse show trial? Do you actually think that they're going to do anything to Mark Zuckerberg with the crocodile tears? What should they do to him? What did he do to the country? Did he really do any damage? I don't think he did any damage. He's just a genius, a successful businessman who helped elect uh, the most corrupt administration in American history since Barack Hussein Obama. So I know that many of you have given up on the political system, and, and rightly so. It doesn't really matter whether you vote or not at the end of the day. That's what you're feeling. I can't say that I disagree with that sentiment. I know people who are not going to vote at all. They won't vote for Trump. They won't vote for Biden. They feel it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, it's going to be the same thing anyway. I mean, you take a look at the news. You look at Charles Schumer saying he's got a deal for Ukraine. A deal? That corrupt piece of that rotten, stinking gangster Schumer has a deal for Zelensky. Did you vote on it? Did you vote for endless war? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe in a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. Did, did they ask you whether you wanted to give that corrupt in Ukraine another couple of hundred billion dollars so more people could be slaughtered? They've lost over 600,000 Ukrainian men. You don't know that because the vermin in the media won't tell you that. There should have been a discussion of peace at all costs, at all costs, before this gets out of hand. And now that the radical feminists, which is a, an oxymoron, a radical feminist, the lesbians have taken over the European Union. You know, the ones, the clipped haired, mean face ones from the EU. They're the biggest warmongers on the planet. They want to crush Putin for many reasons. 
they want Zelensky to sacrifice more Ukrainian men. So I've already begun. I mean, I don't know exactly whether you want me to go down this road of just complaining for you. You wanted more of your tax dollars to go to Ukraine. Have you seen the streets of San Francisco? Have you seen the gangs running wild in Oakland, California, holding up people in cars now, robbing them of everything at gas stations while the governor is out to lunch? The supervisors are, they were never anything. The mayor of Oakland, that Libby character, what she did to this country, to this, uh, to that city of hers, and then the state itself, which they're now exporting to the rest of America, the borders, language, culture, the open borders under Biden. You saw the gangsters from uh, South America beating up a cop and being released immediately with no bail by that <laughs> Alvin Bragg in New York. The same piece of garbage, Alvin Bragg, who took a white guy, an ex-Marine, who saved a subway car full of people from a deranged black man. He stopped him in a chokehold. And that rotten Alvin Bragg has now got this ex-Marine up for a trial for his life. While these Venezuelan garbage beat up a cop and he throws them back out in the street the next day and they walk out with their fingers up like this. Is this the country you voted for? Is this a democracy that you're living in? It's a joke. We live in a dictatorship, an absolute dictatorship where the people have absolutely no power, whatever, except to send in money to the gangsters that run the country. Please don't tell me about Donald Trump. I don't want to talk about him. So let me go backwards a little bit. I may as well speak in Morse code to the American people. Trickle-down tyranny, year 2012, by yours truly. And it's about the tyranny of Barack Hussein Obama. And it was dedicated to those who gave their lives to secure the freedom to write and read as we please, fast disappearing on the Joey the dictator, Joey, the dictator, tyranny of a naked Marxist presidency. Sound familiar? Now it's been repeated over and over again by all the geniuses in the media. Marxist, Marxist, laughing all the way to the capitalist bank, screaming about the Marxists. Tyranny of a naked Marxist presidency. Marxist, Marxist. Marxist, as they laugh all the way to their mansions in Florida and elsewhere. Marxist, everything's Marxist. They don't even know what the word means. First of all, it's not really Marxism that you're facing. It's Leninism, but I've explained that in other books like Government Zero. But I began this book years ago with this. I tried to warn you. I put the evidence out here, there for everyone to see in the first edition of Trickle-Down Tyranny. Remember, this was written 10 years ago. I explained that Barack Obama is the most corrupt American president since the days of Tammany Hall, but you weren't paying attention. You reelected one of the most unprincipled men who's ever held office of the president of the United States. And then I explained why, and now we know he's running America again. Barack Hussein Obama. There's a high likelihood, as one of, uh, I explained in one of my podcasts, a high likelihood, we don't know exactly what they're going to do. If Biden actually gets to the election, which is unlikely given his state of health, where he's clearly suffering from Parkinsonian dementia, what you got to do is look at the shuffle, the gate, G-A-I-T. Any second-year medical student would have known this as near as five years ago. Now, even the medical students can't recognize this in a president. They have been brainwashed through DEI in the universities and the medical schools to see nothing except race. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So way past Marxism, way past trickle-down tyranny, we're now living in total tyranny, where you and I both know what this government does to dissenters. We heard so much about Tiananmen Square in China when it occurred. 
when thousands of brave souls stood up to the communist dictatorship, who were then mowed down and jailed. But we hear nothing about the J6 prisoners who are rotting in, in hells in America, right here in Washington, D.C. Not one word about them in the media. Jake Tapper, Wolf Blitzer, worthless garbage, filth, garbage, stooges of the government. But no better are those fakers on the right, which I tried to tell you a few weeks ago when I was viciously attacked by a former Secret Service agent who threatened me on Twitter saying, you don't know who you're effing with. That's your conservative leadership today. All these, these con men, they're actually worse than the left. They're worse than the left because they pretend that they're on your side, but they are the controlled opposition. I don't have to mention their names. You know who they are. So we can go back, way back. We can go back to a book I've carried with me since college. Many of you know this book, but you haven't looked at it while uh, recently. A fantasy of the future which sheds a blazing critical light on the present, considered to be Aldous Huxley's most enduring masterpiece. I became so obsessed with Aldous Huxley's writings that I researched everything he ever wrote, including masterpieces about furniture. And then I went to London at the time, which I can no longer visit. I'm the only American member of the media who cannot visit the United Kingdom. I was banned in Britain by a corrupt, degenerate government in cahoots with Hillary Clinton, to the best of my knowledge. Huxley tried to warn us, or will try to warn us. Eric Hoffa tried to warn us about the true believers. It's a great book. I first introduced this to the radio way back in the 90s. And then Squeaky copied it. Squeaky the copycat copied everything I did, which is okay. You know, Lao Tzu knew it. And it's about the appeal of mass movements. The appeal of mass movements and slime had they for mortar and slime they had for mortar. Genesis 11. Man would fain be great and sees that he is little, would fain be happy and sees that he is miserable, would fain be perfect and sees that he is full of imperfections would fain be the object of the love and esteem of men and sees that his faults merit only their aversion and contempt. The embarrassment wherein he finds himself produces in him the most unjust and criminal passions imaginable, for he conceives a mortal hatred against the, that truth which blames him and convinces him of his faults, wrote Pascal in Pensees or Thoughts. He conceives a mortal hatred against that truth which blames him and convinces him of his faults. Meaning we are the reason this has happened, that a man as low as Joe Biden could gain such total power over all of us so quickly and destroy the country so rapidly. It's our fault, not his. That we allowed this piece of garbage to get so far so fast and destroy this nation so quickly is his fault, not ours. Or is it our fault, not his? It's a phenomenon not seen in American history. Never has a country fallen so quickly. At least 10 million leeches have come over the border. Leeches, L-E-E-C-H-E-S. Look it up in the dictionary. Those who live off others, those who suck the blood of others, leeches. 98% of the leeches that Joe Biden has led in do not work. Leeches. Now, all indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it helps the, the, the country. He's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. So for the last 24 hours, he's done nothing, I'm told, but reach out to Republicans in the House and the Senate and threaten them and try to intimidate them to vote against this proposal. Catholic Charities, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Pope of Rome. Protestant Family Services, Baptist Family Services, Hebrew Family Services, all the gangster religions, all the gangster religions who would have all of us 
all of us like the J6 prisoners if they could, and they will. It's a toy I bought a long time ago. The battery's probably dead. I don't really know. It's a funny toy, but this is how Biden and the Republicans see us. They're just waiting to do this to all of us. It's a good, it's a good picture of this country. He doesn't talk anymore. Locked up Lenny. I'll use him later when I put a battery in him. I'll use him for my next YouTube piece. He'd be a good screenshot, wouldn't he? Is this you? Is this your future, locked up Lenny? I hope not. Who's going to save you? Who's going to save you, Mark Zuckerberg? Donald Trump's going to save you from that? That's where they want him and his whole family. The corrupt, degenerate government that we have, both sides of the aisle, with a few a few sterling individuals here and there. So I ask myself, what's the point of a show like this? There is no point to it. We're not making any difference. We're living in a dictatorship. What the vermin want to do to us, they're doing to us. What the filthy, degenerate, criminal vermin called politicians want to do to us, they're doing to us. The word politician means slime. That's what it means. Who else would go into that world? Who would become a politician but a dirty, filthy liar who wants to pretend he's not a criminal? They're worse than the cartels because the vermin who run this country control a military. The cartels only control gangs. The vermin who control this nation control a military, allegedly the most powerful in the world, with a stooge affirmative action DEI idiot running it. So what's the point of this? Am I making any difference? No. No, I'm not really making any difference. I ask myself every day, why do anything anymore? I mean, I could have retired many years ago, as you know, but the word retire to me means death. Retire means die. What do you want to do, play golf? I don't play golf. I don't like the game. It's too slow for me. It's about as boring a game. I mean, if you like it, good. I mean, it's hard to do. I get it. There's a skill set required, but it's too slow for me. It's very boring. And I'm allergic to grass and men in check pants. So what would I do with my retirement? Go out of my boat? I don't have a boat. I, I sold it a long while ago. I miss it. I'm thinking of getting another boat because the thing I loved about boating was not the people. I would like to go out alone all the time. I didn't go out to party with people and drink. In fact, I hated people on my boat. My happiest moments boating were with my dog, Teddy, while he was alive. I'm sorry to tell you that, Nipper. I like Teddy more than you even though he messed the floor a bit and stuff like that. Nipper, I'm telling you, Teddy was really a great companion on that boat. It was Captain Mike and Teddy. And I'd run at slow speeds, five, six, seven, eight knots in a big boat sometimes. My favorite boat of all was my 59-foot Grand Banks. I'm talking about 10 years ago when Teddy and I would go out alone. That boat was so beautiful. It was 40 tons, 80,000 pounds. It had twin C-10 cats on it, uh, and they, they just, those engines just were the greatest. And we'd go out on the water right here on the bay. I was basically a bay boater. Occasionally go out the gate, occasionally go up the coast, not further than Stinson, Bolinas Beach. I used to like it on a summer day. But I basically was a bay boater. I loved the bay, and I would cut the engine sometimes. I wanted to hear the splash of the water against the hull. I liked to watch the seagulls fly over the, the bridge. I'd look right in their eyes. They'd look at me. They're very, very intense creatures, seabirds. I've come to know them very well. As you know, I feed seagulls now. And uh, they're one of the most amazing creatures to get to know. And I've watched many generations of these seagulls as I feed them how they catawall to a piece of bread. It's astounding to watch. Throw a piece of bread, a couple of pieces of bread in the water, and watch the gulls. Watch how they catawall upside down, flare their feathers, and you know how great fighter pilots learn to fly planes by studying birds probably on film. I see them flare their tail feathers as they land for that bread, and I'm reminded of an F-15 landing. Student of nature zoologist, ethologist, anthropologist, botanist, scientist,
author, political commentator, just watching the world go by. So I'm in a stage of my life. I'm going to make it very personal before I read some of my tweets and get more political. You want me to do that, Nipper? You want me to get personal, Nipper? Yes or no? I'm asking him all the questions today. I only do this for my own satisfaction, for my own pleasure, like any artist on the planet. It's been said that artists would create for themselves. It was true. It's always been true. I mean, of course, if you have to make a living at it, you have to do it for your patrons or to hope you can sell one of your schmear jobs in a gallery somewhere run by some clipped-haired, mean-faced degenerate. I don't have to sell my artwork. So I do this truthfully for my own pleasure, but without you, there'd be no pleasure. So I want to go and make this very personal for a moment. Lately, I've been getting up and saying, you know, it's futile to fight this because you can't win. And they are, they have taken over everything. The, the, the forces of evil and darkness have taken over the whole world. There's almost no light in the world. There's a Jewish phrase from the Talmud that the entire world is a battle between light and darkness. Licht und Finster. Light and darkness. Light and darkness. That there's a battle between light and darkness. The Christian theologians teach the same thing. Basically, all religions teach the same thing. Light and darkness. Darkness has now fallen over the whole world. There's no talk of peace, only of war. Pornographers run America. Now, I mean, we could do certain things about it if we ran the government. You could arrest the pornographers, seize their assets, and deport them. You could do that overnight if you really, really ran the country, if you really cared about the moral fabric of America. You arrest all the pornographers, all the owners of these big porn sites and the little ones. You seize all their assets in their granddaughter's name. Then you deport them to Ukraine and make them fight on the front line. But you're not going to do it. We can't do that. The pornographers run America. How often have they been in and out of the White House? So you wake up every day. You say, what's the point of doing any of this? Well, it's like, what's the point of eating well? What's the point of exercising? Drive through any white suburb and you see a man on an exercycle in a garage or lifting weights and grunting or hitting a bag. Okay, what's the point? I think he's going to live forever. He's not going to live forever. He's going to get cancer or a heart attack or Alzheimer's disease or diabetes or all of them and die a horrendous death in an old age home if he's lucky, if he's not carjacked in the streets of Oakland. That's life. That's what's waiting for you. For you, not for me, of course. Do you get the, do you get the humor or sarcasm? Don't, don't bring up weed, please. Weed is the opiate, the opiate of the masses, you moron, you. The weed was introduced to America by George Soros, you stupid effing moron, you. He is the one who legalized it so idiots like you could think you're liberated. But you're not. You're in chains. You're enchained by weed, you idiot moron. Weed is the most dangerous of all drugs because it makes you think you're not enchained, but you're enchained. I hear your chains rattling. Ask the mothers of children who commit suicide, have committed suicide on weed. I did a whole podcast on it two years ago. Jumping off four-story buildings. Because they're stoned out of their mind on, on the wonders of weed. Weed was legalized, basically, I tell you, by George Soros, who brought it into this nation under the back door of medical marijuana. I remember it because I argued with one of his uh, spokesmouths on the radio. I said it would destroy America. I've been right about a lot of things. So what am I supposed to do? Get a, a, a prize for it? I'm looking for another halo. I have too many halos on my head as it is. Thank you very much. I don't need another halo. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So what do I do this for? Well, for one, I have to vent. I have to vent. It's so ingrained in my DNA from the time I'm a child, even before radio, of expressing myself verbally that I can't stop and I won't stop until I am stopped or have to stop. In other words, as I said to you, great artists produce their great works basically for themselves. 
unless they're doing it because they need the money and they're doing it for a patron. That's where all the religious art came from. The artists were forced to paint for the all-powerful corrupt church. They did some beautiful things. I mean, magnificent, great things, not beautiful, great things, Be great things, great things under the uh, uh, patronage of the church uh, fathers, if you want to call them that. You look at this great medieval art, great religious art, I've always loved it. But I don't need that. I'm doing this for myself. So when this is over, whenever it may be, what am I going to think? It was worthwhile or not worthwhile? What did I do this for? To make myself feel better? And to make some of you feel at least someone saying the truth? Yes, now you got it. See, Nipper? Now they got it. Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Even those in concentration camps had to know the truth to keep from going insane. Prisoners, ask anyone who's been in the slammer that if they can read a book that expresses the truth to them. Many, I had many prisoners who used to listen to me in prison. I, I really didn't know it at the time. I, I found out afterwards that many prisoners used to love my radio show because they felt that by me expressing myself as freely as I did, they felt free. They lived through, through that, you know. Where is Clint Eastwood? I used to love his acting. He got so old. That's the way of all flesh. I mean, I'm next. I'm not there yet. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Do I want to live to 100? I read an article about all the people who live to 100. They interviewed the New York Times. Of course, they picked a selection of different colors around the world to make it even. <clears throat> they all had ideas of why they lived to at least 100. So if I'm lucky, I'll... I'll make it to 82 this March 31st. I know I say, wow, you look young for an 82-year-old. Well, I'm, I'm Joe Biden's age. <laughs> How do you like that? How do you like that? You say, well, it's all genetics. Not in my case. My poor dad died at 57. My grandfather died at 49. Then I used to hang on to, well, what about in the old country before they came here? I must have had a great-grandfather live to 100. No, he lived to, to 39. So I got a terrible genetic blow in genetic inheritance that plagued me my whole life. And I said, what am I going to do? I don't want to die young. So all my life, I've been searching for the fountain of youth. And I practiced certain health uh, practices. I've written many books before this incarnation under my family name, Michael Weiner, as incredible books, Earth Medicine. The Complete Book of Homeopathy, Nutrition Against Aging, Weiner's Herbal, so many great books that people read. Many of you probably know those books. Did I practice what I preached? By and large, yes. In fact, I practiced most of what I preached until I went into radio in 1994 when I started eating real garbage, chazarai, as the Jews would call it, meaning pig food. Chazarai means pig food. I remember I <coughs> started in radio <coughs> in 94 on Front Street in the KGO building. And around the corner, there was a Chinese restaurant that I came to like, Hunan, which is out of business over there. And of course, it was food I had not eaten for 20 years. It was real dreck. Just, you know, but I can't, I mean, I had to eat it. I needed the energy like an opera singer. I had to sing. In order to sing, I had to feed the furnace. I had to show, shovel coal down the furnace. So I'd go in there and I talked about all that bad Chinese food all the years on the radio. I kind of selected it well anyway. I, would, I mean, every time I've gone into a Chinese restaurant or go into one now, I have the same adage, whether it's Chinese, Thai, or whatever. It's the same thing. Low oil, no sugar. You get it? Low oil, no sugar? Yeah, okay. And they, by and large, when they got to know me, be low oil and no sugar, it didn't really matter because I was also selecting. I wasn't eating the meats. I was largely eating the, the direct shrimp the sewer shrimp that they provide didn't kill me yet. And um, then I started to violate my diet. I put on weight. I, I must have gained 20 pounds the first two years of radio since my event in 09. They call it an event now. I've lost uh, quite a bit of weight. My belt is very tight now. Will I live to 100? And, and, and if I live to 100, so what? 
think about the, the time. Think about you, the universe. Think about time itself. Do you want to live to 100? Many say, no, I don't want to live to 100. I'd like to live to a, a 200, actually, if I could. Without AI. I'd like to do it in this body. I like my body. I love my body. Thank you, God, for giving me such a beautiful body. I don't want another body. I don't want another mind. I want to live in this body. I'm happy in my body. People are afraid of their body. And what were they afraid of? I love that comment that was prevalent in the in, around about a year ago. He's comfortable in his body. She's comfortable in her body. What the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. How could you not be comfortable in your body? You have another choice? Yes. You could become a transgender and say that you're not a man when you're a woman, a man, a woman, and other mischagos in your head. And mix yourself up and think you're something that you're not. If you're gay, you're gay. What do you have to make believe you're a woman? If you're a man who feels like being with a man, so you're gay. You don't have to act like a woman to be a man with another man. What, what is this craziness? What is it, a masquerade of yourself? So I don't want to go into the sexuality right now. It's a boring topic for me. It's about as interesting as picking up uh, the droppings of, of uh, a real dog. I'm not interested in what you do sexually. I don't get about your sexuality. It'd be like talking about your digestion. I don't care about it. I talk about my digestion as I just did, not yours. So let me just talk about the longevity factor. So all my life, I was obsessed with not dying young. Then I was lucky to get married, young children. I used to dread the thought of dying young and leaving them. So how the hell could you have children and die young? That would be a disaster. So it makes it feeds your anxiety. This whole thing about living longer, living longer, living longer, that could kill you faster than. It's like no one ever died from insomnia. They died from worrying about insomnia. I read that in the 70s when I was suffering from insomnia. No one ever died from insomnia. They died from worrying about insomnia. You don't really need that much sleep. No one needs that much sleep. So I read a little self-help book in the 70s on insomnia. And it said, if you can't sleep, get up. Go and look at the stars, study astronomy. Send a letter to someone. Those days you had to write a letter. What you could do in two minutes with your life. Two minutes. Ask a dying man or a man who's condemned to death what he could do in two minutes. And think of the time you're going to waste today. What you could do in two minutes. So I learned to adapt to not needing sleep. I was up because I didn't really need to sleep. I wasn't tired. Look at what soldiers can do without sleep for so long. You, you only need water. You don't even need all the food you're eating. I don't have to eat for the next 10 days. I wouldn't die. In fact, if I wouldn't eat for 10 days, I'd probably live an extra 10 years. There was that famous study out of uh, Holland about the uh, starvation under the Nazis in World War II and how the lifespans increased in Holland as a result of the starvation. It's an interesting study. I'm not suggesting it. I, I'm not into fasting. I hate fasting. That's very popular right now. Intermittent fasting. Everyone, it's like the hula hoop of the time. Everyone follows the next schmuck's advice. You want to fast, be my guest. I don't really, but I don't think it has anything to do with health, incidentally. Eating less is the answer and smaller meals. The fasting is not necessarily going to make you live longer. Any more than grunting in a garage is going to make you live longer. You'll feel better. You'll love looking at your muscles in the mirror, but you're not going to live a day longer because you just worked out in a garage, not one second. I have come, so I want to go back. So, okay, the obsession of living longer, fearing dying young, led to me studying health, health practices around the world. And then I became an avid runner. You don't know this. I wrote for Runner's World. You know, did you know that I, Michael Savage, I tip my hat to myself. I wrote an article for Runner's World in the 70s. It was a great article. I wish I could find it. Anyone know that article from Runner's World? I don't even know if the magazine still exists. I was an avid runner. And then one day something happened. I used to run up a waterfall in the back of Fairfax, California. Every morning I'd run up that waterfall. I was, I was weighing 130 pounds. I was lean like a, well, I was lean. I was tight. Body mass was good. Running up that waterfall, children were young. I didn't want to die. And then one day I heard a voice screaming in my head, stop, stop, stop. I never ran again.
I don't believe in extreme uh, uh, exercise. I practice the Zen way of exercise. I bicycle, and and at that I only, I only bicycle like uh, like Kellogg did. I have to go back to Kellogg's. I told that story years ago. The man who created Kellogg's cornflakes was an elderly gentleman who used to bicycle one mile to his town every day in a suit and you know tie on his bicycle to town on a basically a flat street. He didn't bicycle to the point of exhaustion and gagging <laughs> and cutting people off and hitting them with bicycle chains, those scumbags, the Marin County bikes, bike Nazis who used their bicycles as weapons. He didn't do that. He understood that the bicycling was not so much or rollo solely for the muscular and heart lung thing as it was for the balance thing, balance, balance. So I practice my balance as best as I can. The middle road, the middle road and everything, the middle road and everything. I say moderation and everything. I once modified that to say moderation and everything, including moderation. I'm not a moderate person. I'm an extremist in some areas. That's my business, not yours. Let you imagine what it is. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Moderate, okay? I can be quite an extremist at times. I'm working on that, though, because you're not going to get to 100 doing extremist things in anything. I'll tell you that right now. I can feel it. I can tell you right now, you need that moderate, centrist balance. That's the hardest thing to attain, which is to feel passionately but not let it get control of you. You don't have to throw your passions away. What you have to do is control your passions away. It's like a self-help book now, what I'm doing with you. Drinking, same thing. I didn't, I'm not going to kick alcohol. I like alcohol. I drink two glasses of wine at night if I want to. Some nights I don't want to drink at all. Like right now in California, Northern California, it's horrible allergy season. Torture for me. When the acacia come in bloom, I get sick. Allergies are a real illness. And if you suffer from allergies, it's a real illness. But the drugs can kill you faster than the allergies. If you take the antihistamine route, uh, you know, maybe the histamines are good for you up to a point. So your antihistamines may be more dangerous for other organ systems that we don't know about. Then there's a big thing, inflammation now, the watchword. That's like saying Marxism. If you actually ask someone what inflammation is, they don't know. You say, what's an antioxidant? I don't know. But they know that the antioxidants are good. So ask him what an oxidant is. I don't know. But I take antioxidants. So they don't know anything. So I know everything. The problem for me is I do know a lot. That, that is a problem. If I could get very arrogant about myself, what if I know a lot? What if I actually am one of the wisest men on the planet? What if it turns out that with all of my knowledge and all of my reading and all of my studying and digging and investigating all these years since I'm a teenager, if not before, what if I'm one of the wisest men on the planet. What good would that do you or me? I don't care what the mockers might say right now. It doesn't matter to me. You know, 40 years ago, I could have become one of these fake gurus, like the guys in Oregon or the guys in jail right now who was branding women. I understood where that came from. I have a charismatic personality. I could have led small and large groups anywhere I wanted them to go. But there was always something in me that controlled that impulse because I knew it was not the right road. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A savage republic Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. So now I'm at a hiatus in my life. I've gotten past the age of 80. Even I, though I suffered an event, as they say, in 09, which I thought was the final blow, the knockout punch. I've told you about the African nurse, not African-American. I want to distinguish it. Not that I'm knocking the African-American experience. This woman was an African nurse. I saw it the minute she came into that room. This was when I went in a second time 
and I thought it was over. And she looked at me and we talked the minute she came in that room, I looked in her eyes because I'd lived in the Fiji islands for years where the people are all black skinned. And I got to study people. They got to study me. They trusted me. I trusted them. And I learned to read eyes and read people just as some can read palms. Others can read eyes and faces. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I said to her, what part of Africa are you from? Before she answered, I was almost able to name the very exact nation, country in Africa. And we talked for only a few seconds in that emergency room. And she said to me, your time is not finished. I've got chills up my spine just now. I got to get the hair started to stand up. I still feel her. She's somewhere. I've met angels in my life. She was one of them. I don't know where she came from. Uh, have you met angels? I have. I've seen them. Have you almost died several times? I have. And God brought me back. I was hit by a car as a child. I never talk about it. I was bounced off a fender of a car on 109. I don't know what street it was near Jamaica Avenue. I was visiting my cousin. Kids run in the street. They don't look. They're playing. I ran. Car hit me. Threw me onto the sidewalk. The guy stopped. He, was, he turned white. The guy he got out of the car. In those days, a, a person would care if they hit a kid. Uh, he said, like, okay, okay. I said, days? Yeah, I'm okay. Sometimes I think I'm not okay. Sometimes I think I died that day. Another time in Springland, New York, I was in a, a kid's car, this guy, Larry. And he was a real crazy I can't go into who he was because he could still be alive yet, a guy like him. So he's driving this old car down one of these steep hills in Springland, New York, in the Catskill Mountains. And there's a cliff on the right. I mean, a, a, um, a sheer cliff on the right where the road was blasted out. And then the road, the road, the cliff, the road, and then a, a, a drop off down into the ravine, maybe 200 feet. This moron is speeding down the hill, and I'm screaming, Larry, stop. Stop, Larry. You're going to kill us. And I saw, looked over in the driver's side, and I see these crazed eyes like this locked on the wheel. Larry, stop. You're going to kill us. And he froze. His hands froze on the wheel. There was nothing I could do. I grabbed the wheel and turned it to the cliff. I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, it could have hit the cliff and bounced off, and we would have died anyway. But by chance, it just scraped against the cliffside wall and came to a halt. I said, Larry, you almost killed us. He didn't even know what he did. That night, we go back to the hotel, and his father tells the story that I was driving the car. His father was a pugilist, an ex-boxer. I don't blame him for defending his son, but he didn't have to attack me. That was the way some people were. So the car, the car, Fiji, walking back from the village late at night when something said to me, get up and get out of here. And I walk back in the dark all the way back to wherever the hell my village was. And the next morning, my guy, Dominico, says to me, Michael, come with me. Do you know where you were last night? I said, no. I said, I left the village. I just got spooked in that burek after drinking kava kava all night. I wanted to get out of there. And they said to me, don't go. It's dark. It's dangerous. I said, no, I have to go. I don't know what was compelling me. Like a spirit came into that bure that I felt could have entered my body. I just wanted to get out of there. I mean, I happen to know there are spirits that can enter our bodies. I've seen witchcraft. I've seen good and bad. I had to get out of this. I go, I leave. It's dark, no moon. I walk back to the village. The next morning, Dominico says, come back with me. And he shows me where I was. I was walking on a cliffside that had a, a, a an edge on it no no wider than a foot or two and below was a crashing surf why didn't i fall off the cliff three childhood illnesses that almost killed me four five six there were others so sometimes god saves us for good and bad for good reasons for his reasons so I'm here now, but now I'm at a hiatus in my life. And perhaps this is an appeal to you, the audience. I used to have dreams about my future. I had the most amazing careers I, I can imagine. You have no idea how lucky I am because I worked every day of my life since I'm five years old, selling used comic books in the streets. I learned the work ethic from my father, God rest his soul. When he taught me, I was a kid, Bronx. 
829 Longfellow Avenue. We used to read comics, loved them. I like throwing things out that still look good. I still don't. I hate throwing old clothes out. I won't do it if they're still good. I could, I could buy a department store. I, won't, I still won't throw certain things out. I like old undershirts that feel good. You call me crazy. I like old dishes. I could buy the best in the world. What do I need it for right now? I wouldn't even use it at night. I'd be afraid to eat on it. So, you know, you hold on to things. You hold on to things. So, my friends, I'm at a hiatus in my life. I do these little things when I'm in the mood. Thank God I don't have to do them every day at a certain time and stop every minute and sell, you know, women's underwear or something. The live reads on radio is what drove me out of radio. I couldn't take another minute of it. How can you have a train of thought when in the middle you have to stop and sell a pill or underwear or, or a timeshare or whatever they sell? I couldn't do it. And I would tell them in the radio business, I'm not going to do live reads. I won't do them. Well, everyone else does. I said, yeah, but I'm not them. I have a different kind of radio. It's like it's a stream of consciousness. You can't stop a stream of consciousness to sell a Kotex and then jump back to where you were unless you're a complete charlatan. So they didn't like it. Okay, eventually, it's in my rearview mirror. Thank God. I've had offers, by the way. You say, go back on radio. I'm never going back on radio, incidentally. I want you to clear the air on that. It was a godsend. Godsend. After my event, I was on the radio for a couple of years. I went back on the radio a week after I had a heart attack. I was in the emergency room. No one on the radio knew it, except people at the company knew it. And you know what they did? They tried to kill me to get me off the air so they could give it to some sub moron for the ad revenue. That's a separate story for another time. I don't, this is another thing I generally don't dwell on because one of the aspects of long life is not carry grudges. Don't hate. You can get angry, but don't carry it. Don't carry it. It's going to eat you alive, not the person you're hating. They don't even know you're hating them. You could feel it. As I said, feel your passion but let it move through you. See the hands? Feel the passion. Let it move through you. Tai Chi. Tai Chi. In, out, in the ocean. Sometimes I go to the ocean when I don't feel good at all. The last resort is I have to go out to the ocean. I felt so bad this week from the allergies. I thought I was going to die. I couldn't take another day of it. So I went out to the ocean. It's magnificent. I walk right out to the edge. Because if you can't smell it unless you're right on the waters, you know, where it comes up, the high tide mark. And I stand there and watch the surf pounding, and I go, <sighs> Tai Chi. Am I an expert? No. But, you know, you learn a few little tricks here and there. You learn what to eat. You learn how to breathe. You learn how to think. You learn how to fly like an eagle. You learn how to dive like a seagull. Why do I want to live to 100? Why 100? Why not 200? Why not 150? I was going to do so many other things today. Last night before I went to sleep, I had an idea. I, I was going to do one of these today. I felt it. I felt I had to do it. I have felt it building up, building up. I know by the number of tweets I put out today that I was going to have to do some live show today. I was going to read, for example. I'll do this another time. Just you see where my head was going. Notice how I just breathed in and out. One thing I've learned is breathe. Breathe at points of stress. Because if you don't breathe properly, you're going to get choked to death. You're going to choke off your, your oxygen supply. So years ago, this biography of me, I wrote it called The Savage Life. It's a great book. Actually, it was written years before as Train Tracks. Then it came out as Psychological Nudity. Then Train Tracks. And then it was revised again as A Savage Life, which is still in print. It's the best version yet. And I was going to read this story from it, The Speculator in a Garden of Numbers. And there was a reason I was going to read it, but I said, it's, it's going to go, people don't have the head for this anymore. They're not going to listen to a story. It's as good as Dostoevsky. Not if I may say so myself. I do say so myself. Dostoevsky would say, what a great story, Michael. He would understand it. But we're not living in the time of Dostoevsky or Tolstoy, are we? 
The story is about a bookstore owner who was sort of socialistic, liberal, leftist, as most uh, people are today and who don't have money. If people are poor, they're generally socialist oriented. They want the government to punish the rich and give them what's not theirs. That's the way socialism is. They, they feed on, on uh, class envy. So this bookstore owner, speculator, is a guy named Sam, and he owns a small bookstore in New York City, and he's like a, a commie, basically. Not an outright, you know, big political communist, but he was a communist. And then one day, he decides he's going to become a speculator and speculate on cocoa. How he got there is in the story. And he invests his life savings, and he, he thinks he made a fortune. And he, he just can't believe it. He hit it just right. He knew exactly what was going to happen because of what was going on in the world economy and in the, the war. He knew cocoa would rise. He put all his money into cocoa futures, and they rose like crazy. So suddenly the guy's, in his mind, he's worth a fortune, like it was $80,000 at the time that I wrote it. And he starts imagining himself as a rich man. And now all of a sudden he's a capitalist in his head. And he imagines what he's going to do with his money how he's going to become this powerful capitalist and what he's going to buy. And then as, it, as the story is written, it turns out the Coke, the broker, the commodities broker robbed him and sold it short instead of long. And he lost everything and he's poor and he winds up back in his bookstore again. And he's back to being the socialist again. So what's the moral of the story to me? The moral of the story is that our worst political enemy is just like us. We are they, they are us, we are all together. Think of the Beatles song. In other words, the communist today could be the capitalist tomorrow. The capitalist today could be the communist tomorrow. So don't hate your enemy is what I'm saying to you. That's what I was going to say if I did that today. And I just did that today as a story within a story. And I think that's as good as a, a space as any to stop. Because I was going to read my tweets, which are extremely political. And I've been with you an hour now. And this is far more than I thought I would do. My podcasts are still as good, if not better, than any in the business. I mean, I'll tell you right now, as I told you, I'm probably one of the smartest people on the planet, wisest. I wouldn't say smartest, because you could be smart and stupid. You could be wise and dumb. I have a great deal of wisdom that I have accrued through good luck of having a lot of spare time and applying it to reading and studying earning higher degrees, producing incredibly important books, in, pr in producing incredibly important a plant collection that will live hundreds of years, producing writings and manuscripts that will live in a library for hundreds of years. In fact, I'm about to make a donation to the library to hire a PhD student to study the writings of Michael Savage and turn it into, I don't know what yet, some, some, some academic study of the man because there's many men. As the librarian said to me, as she got to know me, as she would visit my collections, she said, you know, there are many of you. She said there was the young poet in New York's Lower East Side. There was the writer, the fiction writer. There was the teacher, the social worker, the factory worker. Then there was the political commentator, the botanist, the anthropologist. She said, I've really never met anyone like you. And they have the largest collection of Mark Twain's writings in the world. Is she stupid? Am I lying to you? No, I have no reason to lie to you. What am I gaining by this? I'm not selling you anything. I'm communicating with you. Do you understand what pure communication is and how valuable it is? From my heart to yours? So again, I, I will conclude with one other thing in the next few minutes. If you have ideas, you can send them to me. I don't know how. Let's just say I have a certain number of years left on the earth, and I'm still extremely focused. My brain is actually sharper than it was at 40 because I'm less emotionally uh, screwed up. I'm less, I have no concern about money. Thank God I've worked since I'm five. I hardly spend what I make. I donate a lot of it. So I'm not driven like the con men in, in talk radio. Marxism, Marxism, as they run back to their mansions in uh, wherever they are. Marxism here, Marxism there, Marxism everywhere on every rock. Marx. I don't have to do that. I've had, I've done my share of it. I admit it. I, I was one of them for a while, long time ago.
I don't need to do that. So what do I want to do? What do I want to do? I had a vision many years ago of what I would be doing, and I'm not doing it. And that was sort of a little bit of the guru thing. But that's rife with potential disaster in this day and age with the vermin lawyers. I mean, what if I said I wanted to start a, uh, a following somewhere? And, you know, come and sit down and I'll give you lectures like this in person. I'll sit on a platform and we'll talk. I'm not, you know, not donate your life savings. I'm not going to, I'm not going to brand you or tattoo you with my name on your thigh. Don't worry. But what if I wanted to become the head of a tribe, savage tribe? When I started in radio, I was actually going to create Savageville. I had plans drawn up by an architect. I'm going to create a savage retirement community. I'm sorry I didn't. I'd be living there now. It'd be fun. It'd be like a Catskill Mountain Hotel, only I'd be the owner. It'd be nice to have like-minded people around, you know, with communal facilities for certain things and private facilities for others. I was going to do that. I'm not into housing development. I'm not a developer. I mean, it's a very complicated world. It'd be beautiful. You can buy, you know, into that. And I'm not going to do it. But I still had that vision as near as not too long ago, because it's pre-COVID, but not that long ago, where I envisioned myself sitting, I had this dream, a repetitive dream that I was sitting in a room with about 20 people, 20, 30 people. And it was like these meditation centers. And I'd get up there and I would speak to these people. And they were my followers. And that's all I saw, like a seminar, in essence an open seminar. So I would do that, but I am reticent to do that because of the legal ramifications in this sick society run by the degenerate scum called lawyers. Thank you very much. You can't buy a toothpaste that they haven't touched. The lawyers, you can't even open a package because the lawyers scared the owners of manufacturers of the toothpaste package that someone may contaminate and they'll get sued. That's why I like this. You can't touch me. I can't touch you. You can't say I touched you. You can't say I looked at you wrong. You can't say I sexually harassed you. I don't have to smell you. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to uh, worry about your, your germs. Isn't that beautiful? Look at this. It's like having a seminar with you, but I don't have to put up with your, your, your biohazard bodies. People are so dirty. You know, the human bite is dirtier than a dog bite. I learned that as a child. I was shocked. The human bite is dirtier than a dog bite. I didn't know that. It's shocking. We're pretty filthy animals. Sometimes I look at people, I get sick. And I mean clean-looking white suburbanites. Don't get me wrong here. I look at them and I say, you know, they're just walking filth factories. So I stick to myself. I try not to hang around with too many people. You know what I'm saying? So look, I'll close where I begin. We live in a dictatorship. We, the people, have no power whatsoever. Biden, the front man for the forces of evil, has destroyed the United States of America as we know it. It will never recover. It can't recover. And they know it. With Soros' money and the evil EU and the degenerates around him and the psychopathic sexual psychos, they've come for your children and taken them. There's only a few things left for them to do. And if this patient in the White House should win again, they'll finish it for good. We'll be absolutely and totally powerless. You won't, even able, you won't even be able to hide behind your gun in your house and think you can fend off the government. It's way past the minute, man, my friends. It's only the mind that can save us now, not your gun. It's going to take a collective mind to save us from this tyranny. And by the way, when I say the tyranny, not only of Joey Boy, take a look at how many Republicans are backing him as well. Do I have to say Mitch McConnell to you, the gobbler? Turtleneck, we're going to, I, I can't even imitate him. Corrupt, he's the definition of corruption. Mitch McConnell, one of the ugliest men on the planet. 
Senator Ted Cruz had a press conference around noon today, said that you shouldn't have, have even tried to negotiate with Democrats, said this bill was designed to fail, and that it's time for you to step down as GOP leader. What's your response to that? I think we can all agree that Senator Cruz is not a fan. <laughs> and Trump made his wife Secretary of Transportation. Think about that, by the way, if you want to think about the Uniparty. I know this is going to offend you because I'm supposed to say Trump is God. Trump's going to save us. Listen, I'm going to vote for Trump if he gets there. Let me be clear. Let me set it right now. But by him destroying DeSantis as viciously as his people did, he destroyed the only chance we had for a moderate Republican victory, number one, and number two, a moderate Republican a leadership for the next 20 years. And for that, for that, I am pissed off at the idiots who surround him. The idiots who surround Trump destroyed DeSantis in the most. They saved more hatred for DeSantis than they did for Biden. Think about that. Maybe you don't like, like to hear it, but I've always been known for calling him as I see him. And I'll conclude by telling you, that's how I see it. Well, I've been with you for quite a while. Again, this is Michael Savage. If you don't know it by now, it's a sad world. I'll tell you that. And there is no concluding remark I can give you that would be so wise and so clever and so funny that you'll remember it forever. Is there a nipper? No, Michael, no. All right. Here we are. We're both going to say goodbye to you now. <laughs> See, I'm having fun with my little puppet. I didn't know these legs move, by the way. They do. I bought it years. I'm going to look for another nipper today. You want a brother? You want a sister? Okay, folks. Bye now. Thank you very much for being here with me. It's been fun, truthfully. Can't have fun. What's the point? How do you stop this thing, Nipper? Oh, there, that button. Right there, Michael. Oh, thanks, Nipper. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.